Annabelle Quintero's life was irrevocably altered on September 11, 2001, when she narrowly escaped from the 46th floor of the World Trade Center Tower 1 during the deadliest terrorist attack on U.S. soil. Her trauma led her on a journey of self-discovery and healing, which led her to write her book recounting her experience, Step, Step, Jump, Transforming Trauma to Triumph from the 46th Floor. Hi, I'm Leilani Langdon, the host of What's Your Story, a place where we journey through the lives of others in order to inspire you, the listener, to know, own, and share your story. So make sure to lean in as you join us on today's journey. I am so excited because tonight we get to sit down with Annabelle um, and have her share her amazing story. And um, I'm just excited to go on this journey with her. But with that being said, I'm going to bring on Annabelle and welcome her to our What's Your Story community tonight. Annabelle, how are you? (laughs) So good, Leilani. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I am so excited that we get a chance to sit down and journey through your story. But before we do that, um, go ahead and tell me a little bit about who you are. Tell us who you are. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Well, your introduction. Yes, I'm a DEI strategist, um, certified wellness coach. Mm -hmm. And so much of when I do these workshops and these classes, I teach Latinx history. um, I'm always sharing all these different stories of my life. Mm -hmm. But there was one story that I could never share. And Mm -hmm. that was that I'm a September 11th survivor. Wow. That's well, I yes, yeah. I can't. <laughs> yes, I can't wait um, to hear more about it. So Annabelle, tell me, tell us, what's your story? Absolutely. Um, well, that day, so I worked at a boutique hedge fund and that Tuesday morning, it was sunny and I woke up to the radio and to crows cawing really loudly Mm. outside my bedroom window. And I looked outside and the whole tree was filled with crows. Wow. And I was like, hmm, weird. Because I had pulled the crow as an animal spirit before when I had done an animal reading. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I got to hurry up and go to work. I don't have time to figure out what what the message is. (laughs) (laughs) So I jumped on the subway and headed downtown and, um got there you know i had my breakfast had my newspaper and i was like running late and my boss's sweater was on the chair so i was like okay i gotta hurry up because (laughs) it was my i know i was mortified right oh my gosh because that meant he probably had already moved on to the meeting that maybe you were supposed to be at i i know i know the boss chair sweater thing (laughs) it's i know Exactly. So I'm like turning on the computers and printers and getting all the portfolio ready because the stock market was about to open. And I was like, oh my goodness, he's probably in the restroom. Right. So I was doing all that and finally everything was printing and I was reading the paper and all of a sudden I feel something just fall on the tower above me. And I was like, and my chair went from right to left. And I was like, oh, what was that? So I go to the window, I look outside and I was like, some building must have fallen on ours, right? But it was crazy because all the buildings were still and they were shorter. Wow than mine. And I was like, wait a minute, 
what's going on? Because there was no fire alarm and no announcement. And then the rumbling began and I just ran to my desk, grabbed my purse, my sweater, and I got to the door. And then there I am looking at this man because at on our floor, it was owned by different businesses. And this older Asian man was looking at me and like could see the fear in his eyes. And I was mm -hmm. like, and there was still nothing happening. And then all of a sudden, the rumbling began and it felt like an earthquake, Leilani. Mm. It was crazy. And Had I, you experienced and, an earthquake before? Yeah, in California. Okay. Back in like, uh, when was that? 90, 94. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so I knew how one felt mm -hmm. and it was taking us left to right. And really? he ran back into the office and then his door just slammed and I was there left all alone by myself. And I was like, Ay, Dios mio, que hago? you know, I kept right. trying to look. Yeah. I was like looking saying, okay, well maybe I should take cover under the desk, but there were boxes. And I was like, but I felt something fall on top of me, even though it feels like an earthquake now, I don't know if this is really an earthquake. Wow. And then I looked in the office and it it went from sunny and clear to like this muted gray mm. and i knew that that was my answer i was like wow this is no place for the living mm, um and it was then my fear started coming in because it's one thing to ask god what should i do and then yeah. you get your answer you know you get that sign even if it's subtle you get it and then it's right. like oh my goodness now i have to actually move my body something. <laughs> like my gut is telling me to move but now i have to actually physically move when you have no idea right what's happening no you don't and <clears throat> so in that moment i i had to tell myself okay you gotta try you gotta leave annabelle even if you die trying so i had mm. to like face the worst case scenario in my mind death just to take that first step mm. um and i did and i was running in the hallway and let me tell you that floor was still was swaying like, oh my goodness it was swaying it was left and right i mean i was <clears throat> touching the the walls when you know they they were like far away and i was just being you know thrown around like a rag doll in the, in like this fun house or something and mm. then finally i get to the stairwell um and finally like what the 1368 feet of steel stops so Wait. i'm standing there and i'm freaking out and i'm like i gotta get out of here and I'm touching the doorknob to the stairwell and I cannot tell if it's hot or cold. And I knew from like training, like right. in school, don't go, don't open the door if the doorknob's hot. Right, right, right. <laughs> Cause there's usually something fiery behind it. <laughs> but then I was like, oh my goodness, I gotta get out of here. And so I, um, I was like, okay, calm down. So I've been meditating for a few years here and there and I was like, I just calm down, Annabelle, just breathe. Yeah. So I had to calm myself down. I was like, breathe in, breathe out. And yeah. I was like, let me listen to the story of my synapses. And I was like, okay, it's cold. And then I opened that door mm. and 
no one, no one was there, no fire alarm. Nadia, Where is everybody? I was like all by myself still. But then I, all of a sudden, like, then I felt like I was getting choked. Mm. Like there wasn't any smoke, but there was like this invisible, like corrosive stench mm, or something. And it, when I would breathe, it felt like it was like singeing wow. my lungs and my like tongue and everything. And I was like, oh no, there's a fire. I was like, you know, so then I was like, okay, I really got to get out of here. Like, I don't know what's happening. So I put my hand on the railing and I step with my left and I step with my right and I jump on the landing and I step, step, jump, step, step, jump. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the 33rd floor that there were people. Wow. Like, yeah, the forty-sixth on... floor to the thirty-third. No one. Mm -mm. No, I mean when I was running, I mean I was like jumping, and <laughs> I mean I was only doing like three, like two steps, and then jumping, jumping. on the landing. Right. Oh yeah, and this one guy came in like a couple floors behind me, and he was like, "Oh, slow down, slow down, don't hurt yourself." And I was so focused, and I'm like, "Why isn't he hurrying down? Like, <laughs> don't tell me to slow down." I'm like, we gotta get out of here. There's oh like my going on. Oh. Um, yeah, and and even even till then, there wasn't <clears throat> inside the stairwell. There wasn't any wow. like alarm or announcement sure. or anything like that. And you know, in that stairwell, you know, in my book, step step jump, I take people on that journey, right? Like wh how I confronted like hysterical people, and you know, seeing this, you know burned lady she she had these sweaters wrapped around her mm. and you know i could there was like this mossy something had melted on her head and mm. and it was just awful and and then you know just even seeing you know our our beloved firefighters you know mm. come up and and really for me i'm you know i have this moment where i share this he stops there was like a line of firefighters coming up and i share how um i didn't understand why they were coming up like i was mm. like we should get out like what are they gonna do like I, you know and no one was really answering me i was just kind of like yelling out loud wow and um and in his eyes like i could just see acceptance mm. and it wow it crushed me you know like in the book i I talk about how I got out. I most of my um, the story is me in a cab, mm -hmm. and um, and then I really take people on this journey of like not knowing what PTSD is, not knowing what acute trauma is. Yeah. Um, you know, even in the cab, like you know, dealing with feeling conquered, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like. I had, you know, here I am. I had just moved from Seattle to New York. I was modeling. I was B-girling, you know, with Hip Hop's Finest. Yeah. I was like working on Wall Street. It was like, you know, here I am 25 years old and I got like- At I'm the top of your game. <laughs> what? <laughs> At the top of your game, girl. You're yeah, doing it exactly. all. exactly. Like living out loud and like, I got my destiny in my hands, right? Yes. And then having it all, this life altering event and just, everything was taken from me like yeah. that day everything and and that's where you know really i i felt like so much of the ways that i used to define myself mm. were gone like it was like my 
all the different like my positions and these title and this place of work that was so iconic and meant so much yes. was gone. Mm. And it was like a death of many of my egos died. And mm. I was just there with my soul and my body. And I had to just rebuild myself from there. Wow. How did you end up, um, cause I'm sure some people are wondering, so how did you end up actually getting out? You said you got to the 33rd floor and there was, that's when you started to see the people, right? Filing out. So how did you get out? How did you even get to a cab? When did you notice that the tower was hit? And you know, so walk us yeah. through, through that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's chapter three. It's called the September fall mm -hmm. in, in my book. And so it was slow going because at the time we didn't have cell. I mean, we had cell phones and two way pagers. We did not have smartphones. Right. So none of the cell phones worked. So we were in the stairway and we did not know right. yeah. what was happening. There was um, this one, like this one Puerto Rican guy who he had a two way pager and then he was the one kind of giving us information here and there. Um, because there was a space in the like in the center like near the railing that was yeah. cleared out i was actually going down that and and then slipping in to the right when the firefighters were coming up because mm. i couldn't believe that people would squeeze themselves like sardines in a subway to go to work morning and night and then when there's like an emergency everyone was really like nonchalant and like yeah. taking the time and like and I was like what is going on <laughs> kind of probably felt like a twilight movie I, that was one of the things I noticed in your book is you're explaining the experience it's like it's almost like nobody could compute that there was really an emergency but you're feeling this sense of alarm like I have to get out something is really wrong but everyone else seemed to just be calm yeah, I, I, you know, and I think also, too, it was like, it was even a hard decision to leave mm. because you're supposed to, you know, you're a New Yorker, you work hard, you got to like grind and you're supposed wow. to just stay in your desk and like put your head down yeah. and like stay at work. So even that was a huge part of the challenge. And then, yeah, people in the stairwell, they they just weren't moving. And so finally... Um, he shared with us that, oh, a, a, a passenger airplane hit our tower. And we were like, oh, my goodness. So then we finally knew, oh, this is there's a fire. Like, I mean, we could finally understand brain, what yeah. we felt, right? Mm. Um, and, then, um, and then we went down further, and then he shared that a plane hit tower two. Wow. And that was when fear just completely took over every and everyone was silent and we could just feel it. And mm. we knew that this wasn't an accident. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the first time we thought it was an accident, but sure. then when it hit the second one, and we couldn't see anything, right? So you're you're inside, you can't see anything. So we couldn't we didn't know. Um, fine. It took me about an hour to get down. Wow. It took that me about an hour. Long. And then by the bottom floors, the alarms were on, the sprinklers were on. I was drenched. 
when you got to the lobby and it was all dark and every, you know, the lights had fallen down because of all the shaking and there was tons of water. I was like, thank God I had put on my easy spirit boots that day because I, you know, if I was in heels and at the time those slip on heels were in style. Oh yeah. (laughs) It would have been. You would have been barefoot, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I, um, <clears throat> there was a mall underneath. So we went through the mall, got out at Borders Books. And then thank God, like right when I got out of the building, there was a first responder and she was like, move away from the building. You know, and it was, I kind of just needed that direction because I was just like, oh disoriented. Very. And I was like, thank God I was on solid ground. I was like, oh, and, and then, but when I had turned, that's when I saw the fire mm. coming out both sides of the tower. And I was like, I just came out of that. There's, I, I just couldn't believe it. And so I was trying to get out of there as fast as I could. Um, and that I was, that was right at like Trinity church, right at Cortland. So then I walked to Broadway and then walked North on Broadway. And this lady came and, you know, was like, are you okay? And I could like, no, I was like crying. And she's like, can you get a hold of your mom? I was like, no, I keep calling. And there was a long line at the payphone. I was like, oh no, I'm not, I don't want to be waiting in some long line. You don't want to be close to anything. Yeah. I wanted to get out of there. And so she helped me on Broadway and Canal. She helped me get in the cab and this nice man named Anthony shared it with me. And so we got in there and um, I will say this one part, there's a chapter called Church Street Smoke. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, there's tons of traffic on canal, like always, and we're stopped. And, you know, I'm like nervous. I'm like, okay, I want to get out of here. And then all of a sudden the light turns green and I'm like, okay, go. And the taxi driver's like, wait, the people. And I look and this whole all these people run into the middle of the intersection. They almost get ran over by all the cars. And then there's a white plume behind them. And we're like, what is that? We're like, what is this white plume, all this white smoke? And, you know, then the the taxi driver, you know, locks the door is like, no one, I'm not bringing in any more people. And it was heart wrenching because people were running, opening, trying to open doors. They were trying to get into the buildings. I mean, and we didn't know what it was. We, We couldn't see. So it wasn't until we got to canal and Avenue of the Americas and we went North and, uh, you know, I, we, Anthony and I turned around in the cab and then we saw that only tower one was burning and tower two was gone. Oh my goodness. And we just fell apart. I oh. mean, you know, we were like the people, did they get out? I mean, we, um, it, it just devastated. And yeah. that, that's always just stayed with me. Um, mm. which is why I've been silent for so many years because yeah. of the guilt and the pain mm. of it. Um, when you survive something like that, you you actually yeah. feel guilty that you're alive. It's yeah. it's it's a strange phenomenon. It's like yeah. you're grateful that you're alive, and then I was in the cycle where I would fall to my knees and thank God, and then cry, and then feel guilty, guilty. 
and then I'm and then I'm wasting this time crying. So then I get more mad at myself <laughs> that other people are not here, and here I am just crying. Yeah, but that's so, but that's the reality of the trauma, right? And the grief, it, you know, there's so much so much grieving um, that took place, so much loss, not just physical, but also for you, right? A loss of a career. I mean, not, you know, not career, but the, the building represented so much, right? A change in your life, almost a catalyst for something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when it was like, because I grew up Christian and I had a strong relationship with God, but I wasn't getting better, right? Mm. Like I'd see a therapist, but I wasn't getting better. So I had finally decided to go back to Seattle to my trees and mountains. And that's when I did, for the first time, I did a 10 day meditation. Mm. I was silent for 10 days. It's called Vipassana. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to understand why I was getting triggered. Like, I didn't know what creates our human behavior. I didn't realize that it is the dynamic between a story or a memory in our minds. Yes. And then our emotions come up. Yes. And then we start feeling bodily sensations, like yes. even like, you yes. know, my cheeks are warm, you know, right? Like all of that. And then we will react. Behave in a certain way. Yes, absolutely. And I was just reacting and I was just getting mm. triggered. And, and then so meditating taught me, oh, I can watch. I can mm. be equanimous. I can watch my behavior. I can see how the three pillars play with yeah. each other but I can choose how I want to respond. Yes. And that opened up, that just gave me tools that just, that, even to this day, I meditate and it just mm. is a big part of my practice and how I help people. Um, and then and then after that, like a week later, my dear friend Carolyn invited me to an Anipi, which is a sweat lodge. Mm -hmm. And it's Native American, you know, she's East Band Cherokee, but she was taught under the Lakota Nation. And um, I didn't know what that was. Like, mm -hmm. I'm Latina, I'm part Native and African yes. and European, but I, you know, in the Latino culture, we don't get we to don't. learn about our African yes. and Indigenous roots. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hidden and it's, you know, not valued, right? right. Like no one knows anything about it. And so, um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go. I need, I need more. Right? I, <laughs> yes. She said it was going to help. So this was shortly walked. after this was shortly after nine 11. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This was November. So I had gone to Seattle in November. Wow. Yeah. And, and so, so here I am, you know, just got getting out of this 10 day sit and, mm -hmm. and then uh, a week later, here I am in this, it's kind of like an igloo made out of willow trees mm -hmm. and there's a drum, you know, like the first instrument of mother earth. right? <laughs> and like, and there's prayer. Yeah. And then the fire is outside and there's these lava rocks that get heated up by the fire. And then someone brings them in. And so mm. Carolyn, it's called pouring a lodge because you actually pour water on the rocks. Uh, so similar to, maybe what a sauna would feel like when there's live, like the steam is, is flowing. That's where the sauna came that the oh, sauna okay. is like a Western version of a oh, sweat lodge. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Without the sacredness sure. and spirituality. Right. But yes. Right. And so I, 
it was, I really, um, that's in chapter Mother Earth. I never knew that I could have an experience where my trauma and all these dense energy could be given to Mother Earth mm. and she could take it and transmute it for me. Like mm. I had never related to Mother Earth in that way. And it really helped me understand like, wow, we are so much more connected mm. and to Mother Earth and are a part of her, yeah. not just like, she just does stuff for us, right? You know, right. the wood, the water, the right. air. No, it's, it's, and I had never felt that connection before. And it really sparked a whole new understanding for me and, and my relationship with God and wow. my spirituality. And it's allowed me to really help others in their healing as well. As a result. So Annabelle, I mean, <laughs> the the courage and the bravery that you had um that day really you, you said this earlier right it was it, your life would would never be the same again it would forever change that day um and you you taught you started talking a little bit about the trauma and how that you know how that led you to kind of uh through through a journey of healing you know what has your story inspired you to do you know as a result of that because you said you know and uh, as as i kind of shared your bio it's you know uh transitioning and transforming trauma right into triumph and how you know how are you able to do that and how are you, how have you been inspired by that story to live different be different experience life differently mm, thank you for asking i think the biggest shift that happened within was me realizing that my lived experience gave me wisdom mm. in a way that i could share my lessons with others and in me sharing my story, I also realized that others had stories that they've been silent on mm. and have been like trapped. Like That's people compartmentalize story. it, yes. they put it away, right? Mm -hmm. And then seeing how as everyone shares their story, we are releasing, we are healing. Yes. We are actually now valuing our wisdom yes. and we're sharing it with others and we're helping others at, at the same time. So, Absolutely. um, especially, you know, as a Latina, um, seeing the trauma of whether it's systemic trauma or trauma of racism or trauma, you know, what humankind does to each other. Sure. Um, I mean, I put all of it in the book because, um, that's, the life of a woman of color in America. I mean, that's yes. the reality and yeah. we go through a lot. And I think that we, <laughs> we need to celebrate so much of what we've overcome and mm -hmm. the way we show up with, you know, all of that, like despite all the things that yes. we've gone through yes. and we still continue on to step into leadership and yes. to be mothers and be community leaders and advocates. And so that has really helped me with the, all the DEI work that I do, all the advocacy, or just even helping people understand like, cause I work a lot with the dominant culture too. It's like, what did they lose also? Mm. Um, because yeah. 
Yeah, and and the emotional labor involved in doing DEI work. It's hard. It's hard for everyone, right? But sure. Um, it's allowed me to hold space for the dominant culture for, you know, black, indigenous and people of color and to really like acknowledge how triggering the conversations are, mm. being compassionate, like, wow. and us just remembering, let's step into our cultural blind spot because yeah. we all have them. We all have them, absolutely. Yeah, and only when we're finally, everyone is stepping into them, like when mm. we're finally all, all the so cultures and all the wisdoms and all the knowledge, that's when we can finally get to a place where it's like, okay, now we're all here. Mm. Now we can relate. Yes, <laughs> finally. Yeah, now we can speak our truth and and yeah. and it's okay and, and no one needs to get defensive and, and we're just all sharing. Um, yes. But it's, it's, that's what it's taken me down this path. And um, wow. yeah, and just separating like my faith from, you know, I'm Christian, right? And yeah. it's like saying that you're Christian right now, people are like, mm, you know, <laughs> you know and, and like, and also Absolutely. separating faith from how the faith has colonization and yes. the African diaspora and the wealth building through propertizing, you know, African lives. And yes. what does that mean today? How did we get here? Like all of that has to be discussed because we can't just stay in silos. We can't yeah. do a spiritual bypass. We sure. can't say I'm Christian. My church doesn't need to decolonize its faith. We can't do that in the wellness space. Like yes. everything in wellness is ancient and not from the Western world yet. Who's leading those yes. spaces? Right. Absolutely. And My then goodness. The oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I just, you know, uh, what came to mind was what, what led you, so what inspired you to write your book, right? And to kind of capture not just this story, uh, what I, because what I love about it is that, you know, what we say on What's Your Story, it's know it, own it, and share it, right? So it's so important to know your story, but it's not enough to just, you know, intellectually understand it. It's important to to know it with your soul, to know it to a, an, a, a, as to how it can help transform, right? Giving your voice power, giving your story power um, by not hiding it, right? Um, so we share it. And so your, you know, when you, you wrote your book, you share your in a way, your life story up to this point, right? And how everything kind of just intertwines. And so what inspired you um, to to write your book? Like what 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 moment hit you that's, you know what, I need to put, I need to put this in a book. I need to put this on paper. Oh, well, the first, <laughs> I love it. Well, the first time I wrote about what had happened to me was to my family. It was an email wow. and I, and I, told I wrote out everything that happened to me mm -hmm. and I said I'm emailing you all the details of what happened on the 11th because if you call me I cannot utter a word of it I can talk to you about how I am doing now but I can't go back and replay wow. the story so that email I let it all out mm -hmm. and I also realized I'm I I, in a way, created a silent vow that I was mm. going to keep reverence of those who died by being silent. 
Wow. And that took a lot for me to break through. Um, We sometimes have these silent promises that we don't realize we have. And so that was one of them. And then throughout the years, I'd see, you know, just what's happened. I I know a lot about history and I know a lot about, you know, Latino history, Western hemisphere history, indigenous African history. And I'm like, okay. And, and I could tell that it was impacting the present moment, but a lot of people do not know Western hemisphere history. So I'm having these conversations, these debates. Uh, And then I realized like, oh, they haven't read this book or they don't know this or that. And (laughs) and that kind of was like, oh, I know a lot more about this than I think. And so throughout the years, I've always journaled. And so So it's, it's just been this process. Like I tried to do, I tried to finish this book back in 2009 and I couldn't do it. Um, 2009, 2010, I just became, you know, my, my second daughter was born and it was just, I wasn't in the space, but I had tried for many years and I just kept writing. Yeah. I just kept writing. But finally I was, um, when I, got onto the Lisa Nichols campus and became a student and then Mm. actually shared it with like people outside of my family Ah. that changed me. Like, and then I was an ignite student and they picked me to share a three minute story on her stage in Newport, California (laughs) in front of like hundreds of people. And there's like thousands live streaming from around the world and I share this story and I even ask people, how long have you been silent on a story? And can I tell you, it's like five years, Man. eight, 10, 30 years. I mean, and I, even for your audience, like how long have you been quiet and like Absolutely. not uttered a word of a story? Absolutely. And you'll see that all these years passing yes. and that changed when I saw the impact of sharing my story. I was like, okay, I'm writing this book. And I got a book coach. I got an editor. I had a whole team of like soul sisters helping yes. me out. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing like accountability in community, but that, that question, how long have you been silent is so powerful because it forces everyone who hears it to answer even if they don't answer audibly but you answer internally and then it just makes you know we lie to ourselves and we tell ourselves that our stories are better left untold and that is not true because our stories can give life to someone else our stories have the ability and the power to change somebody else's trajectory because they get to learn and they get to hear and they get to experience from us so i'm so proud of you thank you so much for being willing to break through, right? And to break through that silence and be willing to share and be courageous and brave enough to really leave it all out there. Yeah, Yeah. thank you so much for saying that because one of the takeaways is people are like, wow, you really went there with like your own history and your own culture. And I was like, when you are, when I was in the cab and I remember just feeling I, we, we didn't know what was happening. Like we still felt under attack. Like now we could say it was one day, but at the time sure. we didn't know if war, you know, we were like in a state what of was war. Gonna ha- yeah, absolutely. And so feeling conquered. And so I went back in my mind and I studied political science and history. And I just remember 
reading all those books of what happened to, you know, Native Americans through mm. colonization, what happened with my African ancestors, you know, through the African diaspora, like all of it. And, and, and I was like, this is how it must have felt being conquered. Mm. Like, this is, and war is so traumatizing. Mm. I mean, I, I, it is one of the most, um, I, I don't, it's, it just continues the trauma and the trauma. And so it's, it's been difficult. Like when you say writing this book, um, all the different wars and the different places we've had wars in the last yes. 20 years, it would re-trigger me because I knew it was from the 11th, like the 11th was the beginning, right? The catalyst that caused this, this yes. jumpstart. And, and, and then you're like, okay, we have grief, we're angry, now what? Like we need to do something else with our anger. We mm. can't just continue on warring Yes. And and our only legacy being war. And it's a very uncomfortable thing to say, right? Yeah. I mean, but as a survivor, I only did experience one day of it. And I can't imagine any person having to deal with it more than a day yeah. because I know how it crippled me. And so I have compassion mm. for those people. I want them to have peace. It yes. is a human right to have peace. Yeah. I mean, that is what we should be allowed to do in any part of the world, not yes. just one country. Correct. Like all of us should be able to live in peace. And so, um, yeah, so that was a big pushing. That was like, okay, Annabelle, you got to do this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I am so glad you did. One of the last questions I want to ask you is, what would you tell somebody who is, you know, um, has heard your question, you know, how long have you been silent and, you know, uh, replays this tr the trauma that they have experienced and um, what would you tell them? How, how can they go from tra trauma to triumph, right? What would be something you'd want to leave them with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say the first thing when you even write the story for yourself or you replay it in your mind is acknowledge the triggers and the traumas that you have from it. Mm. And then, you know, know what those are. Acknowledge them because the acknowledgement is the first step. And the second step is practicing self-awareness. You know, whether, you know, if you meditate, that's a great way to do it. But if you if that's not your thing, then praying in silence and also journaling, mm. like journal the memory, journal what bodily sensations come up. Where do I feel hot? Where do I feel cold? Mm. You know, is there an ache in my belly? Is there a rock in there? I love that. Um, and then um, write what's happening emotionally with you yeah. within your body, because if you that. can journal. Now you're practicing self-awareness. Now you're practicing, oh, this is what's coming up in my body. Like, and, and that's when you really start listening. You have mm -hmm. to watch your body and listen. Yeah. And sometimes you need to journal to do that. So that's the second step. And then the third one, I'd say you have to do something new. Hmm. And most, you have to take new action. Yes. And, and most of the time, it will be in your cultural blind spot. Interesting. I love so that. that. So those are 
that's the, the three. that's the three things. Wow, I absolutely love that, and I think that's it's so pivotal to be able to kind of step outside of yourself and gain that awareness that journaling can give you, right? Or yeah, you know, like having something outside of yourself that you can see. Um, I absolutely love that, Annabelle. Before before I send you backstage, can you tell us where can we find where can we find more of you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, StepStepJump.com. And also you can get the book on Amazon um, and yeah, and you can sign up and listen to chapter three. I have yes. the audio <laughs> so awesome. you can listen, you know, sign up for your, your free audio chapter as well. And it's, it's the September fall. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Annabelle, thank you again for your courage, your bravery, your authenticity and your genuine spirit. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you for next week's episode. If you were inspired by today's story, make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast. To watch the full live show, head over to Leilani Langdon on YouTube and don't forget to subscribe. And remember, purpose is found in knowing, owning, and sharing your story. So the question is, are you ready to share yours?